0: everyone hope you are keeping cool carl are you keeping cool i am keeping cool but also doing one of the silliest things to do in the heat we're gonna go to grant's farm because my wife her present every year for mother's day is a six pack of tickets we used to have the unlimited thing but now you have to buy them either individually or as a group and we've chosen six this year and so we are going to go make use of that today uh-huh we're going to go on one of the warmest days of the year to grant's farm but you're on a tram and you get free beer so yeah maybe there'll be a breeze yay In a few seconds from now lynn and i will talk nope around minute 13 the gray man on netflix around minute 19 paramount plus has the day the music died the american pie story around minute 28 the Last Movie Stars on HBO Max. On around minute 34, Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. That's in theaters. Around minute 37, we'll talk Sweeney Todd at the Muni. Around minute 49, we'll have our local roundup.
1: There was a breeze at the Muni last night and the fans went all the whole time. So as long as you were in that area, you were fine. It was when you were out of that bubble that it was not so fine but the humidity wasn't so bad so you know it's not the heat it's the humidity so i feel for everyone this weekend because it's going to be a hot one
0: it's the butcher is not going to be the one the butcher of fleet street is not going to be the one hurting the audience it's going to be the heat yes
1: we'll talk about that later but the big movie this week that is going to get people out to the multiplex is jordan peele's only third feature this is like a terror this he's got he's on par now with uh like a a tarantino screening or uh or i don't know who else
0: draws huge like that whenever Um, like a a wes anderson or or sophia coppola
1: well i was i was gonna say uh Spielberg, but Jordan Peele has only directed Get Out, which was a cultural phenomenon, and he won the Oscar for best original screenplay, well deserved, and then Us, the movie, was a mixed bag, and some people loved it, some people not so much, I was in the not so much, because I thought it was very muddled, but The performances in his films are usually first rate. Now we come to Nope, and this is a weird one. This takes his themes and adds on to that but also gives us more sci-fi than he has in the past. So it's not straight up horror, it is sci-fi. And it stars Daniel Kaluuya, who was in Get Out, and his character is this laid-back guy who has been helping his dad, who runs a horse ranch, for Hollywood movies, played by the wonderful Keith David. And now, his- hold,
0: now Keith Keith David, he it's it's one of those things where it says, and Keith David. Keith David is in two scenes. I feel ripped off. I wanted more Keith David. I agree with that. I agree with that. And then his sister is Kiki
1: Palmer. And she's she's the the polar opposite of OJ. And that's so funny. His name is OJ. It's like a little wink there. And he goes to Donna Mills and the Donna Mills. Yeah, has had some work done, but she goes. (laughs) She's in one scene also. I know your name is OJ. And he looks at her defiantly like, yes, Otis Jr. So Kiki is Emerald Haywood, and she's just a hot mess and a live wire. And they have to coexist now that their father's passed. And in
0: in a freak accident that the the insurance company and the uh, paramedics and the people of the hospital gave him an explanation that he does not believe he was killed by a nickel, but you know what? That's all I'm going to say. Because the less, you know, about this movie, the better. Yeah. It's a, uh, what I thought is technically brilliant. It's beautifully shot. Story is weak. It is beautifully shot. Uh, Southern California looks amazing fantastic the rolling hills of the near desert where this horse ranch is i mean the the story of the first filmed images are it's it's i've heard this story before and it is a it's a great story and some of the tenants in this film are really well done it's just that the story is slight and the story <laughs> The story is padded and the story doesn't necessarily have a good payoff. I mean, all these movies that Jordan Peele has done, they have been um, horror comedies, you could say. Not so much with Us. I, I mean, Us had some funny parts, but it was more horror than comedy. Get out, true horror comedy. This one, I wouldn't describe it as horror or comedy because it's not... It's not funny, and there are two jump scares, and it doesn't like even build to anything. So it's very slow to begin. Well, it lacks emotional connection
1: because Daniel Kaluuya's character is so laid back and and says, "So's the film." Uh, just doesn't have much dialogue and she's the chatterbox. And then we bring in the big box store techie who helps them install a camera.
0: Well, Fry's is a real place in Southern California. And so uh, it's it, it it's one of the big box stores, but uh, Angel works for Fry's and he installs these video cameras because they think they see something. And just like everybody else in California, you need to get the first picture or pictures or video of it, because if you have it first, then you own it. Uh-huh. Well, he's very good, Brandon Perea.
1: I've never seen him before. I think this might be his feature debut uh, for film. And then we have the mysterious old school cinematographer, Michael
0: Wincott. He's not in the film enough for my I I like I wanted more of his story. I would have had less of Stephen Yeun and more of that guy.
1: Yeah, well Kent wrote a blistering review because uh, the intern and I gave it a B minus and Kent gave it a C and said if he would have just stuck to some main character's main story but he just keeps going off on these tangents with these characters that really don't matter. No. So why are we going down these rabbit holes
0: with these characters when we could have just stuck to the focus and and i like Stephen yun i think you know i oh, didn't yeah. watch walking dead but i oh he's great i mean the he, monkey
1: thing goes nowhere i'm sorry it's chilling and disturbing but it goes nowhere
0: well if if you like Stephen yun in either walking dead or if you liked him when he was nominated for best actor for minari that's not the character you're getting in this. I mean, his character is a very Hollywood thing. Uh, it's it's a child star who is still in the business after so many years. But I also I, I find his story also hard to believe. I, I it could have been excised from the script. I think Steven Yeun just w- wanted to be in a Jordan Peele movie, and they they could have taken all of that stuff out. And they could have made they could have made Steven Young the fry guy if they wanted to just have him in the film. But that character, it it's it doesn't do anything for the story. It doesn't move it along, it distracts, and it's not it, it makes the film longer and it doesn't need to be longer. Because it's more than two hours and it could be a nice tight 145. Yes.
1: You're right. The um, the faults are many, but the Hoyta Van Fatima cinematography of the Santa Clarita Valley is exceptional. What he does with the panorama, um, the panoramic vistas, and it's just really remarkable. He is Christopher Nolan's go-to cinematographer, and he had an Oscar nomination for Dunkirk but well, he, he did,
0: he did, he did, he did her. He did specter. He did let the right one in the original, let the right one in. He did the fighter. So he's, he's, he's got the good, he's got the chops.
1: Yes, he does. And the sound design I'm voting for that for, uh, one of our nominations this year Yeah, I thought it was exceptional sound design, but this, it just, it takes a while to build because you have to connect the dots and the opening tragic scene so
0: slow to get it, there.
1: Yeah, it is. It it just starts that. And then it has the really draggy third act. Yeah. So I think the pacing is all wrong. Who edited this movie? I know. I just think uh, it's he's Nicholas those- Monseur. He struggles with the pacing. Now, I I enjoyed the music. I thought I thought the soundtrack choices were good, but I also liked Michael Abel's composition. Well,
0: he he did, did, he's he's done "Get Out" and "Us" for him already.
1: Yes, yeah, so I thought that was very clever. But using Corey Hart's sunglasses, sunglasses, at, night. sunglasses at night and Dean Warwick and all that. But no, that was, it was good. I enjoyed that. But these are event movies and you, you want to like it way more than you do. Yeah. But that's mostly what I heard from people afterwards was "Mm, like you said,
0: meh. So yes, I, this was the line that I told everybody after the movie was over. It should not have been called Nope. It should be called meh. Because I really wanted to like this movie. I really want to like Jordan Peele films. I like him as an actor. I like him, what he's doing with Monkey Paw. And I have high hopes for Jordan Peele. And then when you go to something and it ends up like this, you're very disappointed. And you're looking for things that you want to like about it. And I'm sorry, I, I don't like this movie.
1: No, I don't think it it captures you at all uh, in, in, you know, there are some genuinely
0: creepy moments. No, there are two jump scares. Creepy. Yes. But there's no, there's no suspense or horror. Right. No. But like with get out, you never, never, never knew
1: what was going on.
0: Right. And you were, and when the big
1: twists were great.
0: Well, he's calling this a science fiction horror film, but I, there's not, there's. Not enough horror and the science fiction is uninteresting to me. Well, Plan 9 from Outer Space, the great Ed Wood's movie
1: is a more uh, sci-fi reveal than this one is. This one does not connect the dots. Mm,
0: I I I don't I want to like it but I don't.
1: And it's really like the 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 sound design, I don't want to go into it but the screams are really good. Yeah. And the poor woman from the sitcom that's sitting in the uh, Mm -hmm. bleachers with Stephen Young. Where does that go?
0: That doesn't go anywhere. It doesn't go. I mean, it could have gotten a lot worse.
1: Yeah. It's just bizarre. Very, very bizarre. And uh, that's a good word. Bizarre. And I just think I just think he instead of doing things to make us understand, he made it more perplexing.
0: Yeah, possibly, um, but maybe that's what he was going for.
1: Yeah, well, that's right. That's that's kind of my argument there. All right, moving on. Have you
0: seen? I did not see the Gray Man.
1: I enjoyed it. Did you? I did it. Okay, it might not be the most original. It might have characters we've seen before, but that cast. I mean, Ryan Gosling. And Chris Evans as Bitter Adversaries.
0: And it's directed by the Russo brothers.
1: Right. I'm there. You know, uh, Russo brothers know how to do a rock action picture. This is fueled by com- combat. And it's got some nice humor. Got some nice humor. Uh, Chris Evans is the baddie, the heavy, the villain. And he
0: revels in that it's based on a it's based on a novel that for a while was going to like 10 years ago it was going to have Brad Pitt and then they were going to swap it to have Charlize Theron do it but it then it sat in development hell till 2 years ago
1: right because russo's decided not to do it because they were so busy with other things and then they decided okay we'll go back to it but it is a russo it fits their lane perfectly this has got a strong supporting cast. I Billy love Bob, Anna de
0: Armas. Right.
1: And and more of her than the James Bond movie. I think this is a cross between a James Bond and a John Wick in a very entertaining, appealing way. It's not, you know, I'm not comparing them to be better than those, but I'm just saying it's that same vibe that you're getting. It's a globe-trotting manhunt. Um, the, Billy Bob Thornton Is just just as so good in everything. Like the minute you see him, you're like, okay, this we're we're uh, going for a good ride here. And then Anna De Armas is the CIA agent that has Ryan Gosling's back. Ryan Gosling has not been on screen since The First Man in 2018, which Uh I think is so underrated of a performance and a movie. But that's for another day. However, he hasn't been on screen. So he plays this ex-con who the CIA uses as a disposable operative. He's so far off the grid. That's why they call him the gray man. So he go- goes and does the dirty deeds. Well, in the beginning, he finds out something that he shouldn't have and becomes the target of the CIA uh, Uh, one of the bosses played with oozing evil by reggae jean page right after bridgerton ah bridgerton he's playing the evil dude and it's great because you know he was magnetic as duke of hastings and now he's having fun playing the villain and then anna de armas and then jessica hen has henwick of um bugs on the resurrection matrix resurrections and then also she's a game thrones vet and she's been on all sorts of different projects she plays one of the cia people too and uh there's a bollywood actor named danush
0: who is in it
1: Mm -hmm. and the girl that was in once upon a time in Hollywood that was the child actress paired with Leonardo DiCaprio. She plays Billy Bob's niece and they take her as collateral to get Ryan Gosling to hand over his information.
0: Well, this movie's on Netflix, by the way.
1: Yes, it opened in theaters July 15th. And here it was only like in one or two theaters and we didn't have access to it. And then I asked Netflix if I could have it, uh, for my preview content, and they agreed, and they sent it to me. So it starts today, and it's the most expensive movie Netflix has ever made. Ever?
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it's it's because <laughs> it's okay. a Netflix original.
1: Uh, it's a It's on par with a uh, Red Notice with The Rock and Ryan Reynolds and Gal Gadot.
0: And Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Yes. Which I really enjoyed. Which I would like to say yes. again.
1: So I they're betting big on it, but I just find it it's immensely entertaining. Well, they think it's
0: good. They think they want it to be a franchise.
1: I could see that. I could see that. And, you know, Gosling is just he's always got that air of, you know, um, you just like him. But also he's got that like that humor because he calls he calls Chris Evans when they get him, you know, and he goes, oh, what? Tip off, he goes the trash stash like chris evans has this fascist like mustache it's really oh. good but you can just tell he's having fun and this is his he's made four previous movies with the russo brothers
0: yeah the last two i guess what winter soldier civil war and then the two uh infinity war end game
1: yeah well these two know how to stage an action scene And uh, it's good. And and Anna DeArmas gets to use her martial arts that she barely used in.
0: That was she did in that one scene.
1: Right. And then she was Chris Evans co-star in Knives Out. Oh yeah. And also uh, this redeems her from that awful deep water thing, that abomination that was with Ben Affleck on Hulu.
0: Well, this is this is a bounce back from Cherry with Tom Holland that they did on Apple,
1: right? Which I did not care for. I didn't either. So we have a light week because we just do because they're giving it to Nope.
0: Well, that, that the the streaming services are still doing things like I watched the day the music died on Paramount Plus, which is the Don McLean story. As a child growing up, I grew up. Uh, about a year before the song came out so it was growing i've had it with me most of my life and i've always been interested in the uh secret meanings of american pie and who's the jester and is the king really elvis and so i as a like a teenager i i dug really deep into it. And Don McLean was always never, I'm never going to say anything. And then a couple of years ago, he did an auction where he told the winner who everybody was, but for the 50th anniversary of this song being released, uh, he has done a documentary with Apple plus that is more so about his life. And he, you, you keep waiting you keep waiting and waiting and waiting for him to get to the part. It's only like an hour and a half, hour, 45 minutes long. And you keep waiting for him to get to the explanation of what the song's about. Because that's why you're watching. You, I mean, if you know history, if you know rock and roll, you know about the Big Bopper and you know about Richie Valens and you know about Buddy Holly. And it's, it's weird. They don't use any Buddy Holly music and they barely mention the Big Bopper at all. It's weird. So I guess they didn't, couldn't get the rights, but you hear the American Pie song a lot in that hour and 40 minutes. Do you so, hear Vincent? No, they didn't mention that at all either, which I that's on the same album. And they don't even talk about that at all. They talk about his early life, about uh, when he was a folk singer and he was friends with all these guys. And Woody Guthrie, you actually hear Woody Guthrie sing a little bit of American Pie. And you hear how he sat down to write it and how it was going to be great, and the actual recording of it, how it was, they couldn't get it right until they brought the piano in. It was, ah, there are great things about this story, except I have one issue with it. He, if you are a follower like me and really want the deep dive into it, they have, you already know some of the things that he, kind of blows off because in in the charity auction he said yes uh bob dylan's the jester and sergeant peppers but he also says in this documentary that none of that's true he he says no no it was all this is all about my religious Uh, upbringing and it was uh uh, the father son the holy ghost or not jfk rfk and martin luther king no that's about the father son and the holy ghost because i was very religious growing up and so it he contradicts himself in this and i wish i didn't i thought that they they did some previous interviews like i wish they would have had paul griffin the late piano player who came in, I wish they would have had a little bit of him. They show some footage of him and they also do one of those things that they do in documentaries now where they have recreations, but they make it look like it's him. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. Far shots with a person with long hair. I'm like, oh my gosh, how'd they get this footage? Oh wait, they recreated it. So they have a lot of that in there and it's really well done. It's just the fact that he has, you know, the sergeant he doesn't mention the rolling stones at all so jumping jack flash he says oh that's all about nursery rhymes i'm like no you the jester in the sideline with the cast he's like if i wanted to say bob dylan i would have said bob dylan because i knew bob dylan so it contradicts things that have been said in the past some of which have been said by him (laughs) so it's not it's not what I wanted, and I was disappointed with it. They have a lot of talking heads too. Garth Brooks talks about it. Uh, they they have Weird Al because when the fan um, the Phantom Menace came out, Al Weird Al did a song called "The Saga Begins," and the only mention of the Madonna version of it is mentioned by Weird Al because I thought Madonna's version was a big dance hit, and it was huge in the UK. And it it was never released as a single here. and But it was still a big hit. And the only person that mentions it is Madonna because Radio Disney was playing The Saga Begins by Weird Al. And then like a year or two later, uh, American Pie by Madonna comes out. And the kids were all saying, why is Madonna doing an unfunny version of a Weird Al song? So I thought that was cute and clever. And there are a lot of things to like about this movie but as someone who has spent a lot of time overthinking this song it disappointed me
1: yes well the song came out when i was a senior in high school so it was very near and dear to my classmates and i and you all had
0: your own ideas of what it was
1: right and we all tried figuring it out drove my chevy to the levee but the levee was dry
0: Now he said he wrote that part first and he was a paper boy and that he found out about it and he just started with the chorus first and then built it all around it.
1: And then uh, what we all knew about the day the music died with the Bopper and the Richie Havens and Buddy Holly. Now I will say the, when John Lennon died, the time magazine cover said the day the music died.
0: Mm hmm.
1: Because, you know, time and Newsweek were things back then. Yes. And I remember that. But I remember seeing Garth Brooks in Central Park and I remember him bringing on yep. Don McLean.
0: They, they, they talk about all that.
1: And they sang that. But that's I've never seen Don McLean in concert. I know he was at MRF. <gasps> By the yes. way, off topic, but you're a big music guy. hmm. There is a museum, there is an exhibit at the Wood River Museum of Mississippi River Festival, and it's only on Fridays and Saturdays, and it is this guy's memorabilia from those days, and apparently it's extraordinary. It's two rooms, but the boomers lined up first day. And the museum was so excited. So it just goes to July 30th. So this weekend and next weekend are the last chances to see this exhibit. I would hope that they would ex- that they would keep it a while, but I forget the name of the guy. But there's been articles written about this exhibit. But I'm, that was part of my my concert introduction to the world was sitting on the lawn for two dollars and then they raised it to three dollars <laughs> and one time I was telling my son Charlie who all I saw at MRF I go like Loggins and Messina and Don Fo- and Dan Fogelberg and Joni Mitchell and Boz Skaggs and and uh Seals and Crofts and and he goes mom I've never heard of these people
0: no probably not singer-songwriters well, from the 70s
1: I know well I saw Heart and and uh, the who was Marshall Tucker band, they were a double bill.
0: Well, um, this is on Paramount Plus, which you know that I do not have, so I had to request it and I'm glad I did and I'm glad I saw it because now I can have my own interpretation because I once met a girl who sang the blues, he says it's not Janis Joplin and I, I think that he I think he's trying to have it both ways, but it's his song and he can say whatever he wants. Maybe he's changed his mind about things. And everyone knows it. And You can clo- you can clear out a bar with everyone singing it.
1: Yes, you can. Well, uh, if you're talking streaming, I am so happy that I saw Ethan Hawke on Colbert the other night because he talked about his six part docuseries on HBO Max called the last movie stars and i it it dropped yesterday you know how they just do one week but i have access to all of them through hbo thank you god and this is going to be my weekend binge because it's going to be 109 so uh (laughs) it is about paul newman and joanne woodward
0: the last movie stars
1: and it is glorious And I'll tell you, and I admire Ethan Hawke so much, but I've seen his documentaries before and he uh, was on fire talking with Colbert and I can send you that link. But also he was on Sunday morning on CBS last week talking about this too. Ben Mankiewicz did a piece and that's very enjoyable too. Just about what Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward meant Uh, their lives, their marriage, their philanthropic efforts, uh, their candidness. So Paul started recording this memoir with a very good friend of his uh, in the, I guess I want to say maybe he died in 2007. That was the same year as Joanne Woodward got diagnosed with dementia. She's still alive, but she has dementia. And I believe Ethan Hawke knew one of their daughters and one of their daughters approached him about doing a documentary about her parents. And so he found out that this, Paul had started recording for a memoir that never happened and he burnt the tapes. But Uh. this guy who he worked with Stearns is his last name. He wrote the screenplay to Rebel Without a Cause. He was part of that golden age. And he kept all the transcripts of Mm -hmm. the tapes. So Ethan Hawke got his famous friends together on Zoom. And it's really remarkable who he uh, he, who he attracted to this project. Do you want to say? Yes.
0: Do you want to say who plays Paul and Joanne?
1: Yes. Okay. Go ahead. George Clooney and Laura Linney. And then we have the supporting characters. Of, we have Oscar Isaac, Billy Crudup, Karen Allen, Brooks Asmuskis. So he must know him from the stage because Ethan Hawke does a lot of stage work. Um, and I love Brooks as man's because because from, from the prom, Tony uh-huh. nominee, he is Gore Vidal doing the doing the Gore Vidal because Gore Vidal is the one who called Woodward and Newman the last movie stars. And there's Sam Rockwell and Steve Zahn. And it just goes on. Like you're seeing these little screens of people on the zoom and you're like, Oh,
0: my God,
1: look at this cast. So they all. Well, take I, but part. also
0: you have you have original interviews, too. You yes. have
1: oh, tons of original interviews and tons of clips, tons
0: of clips. He and even interviews his daughter.
1: Yes. His own and daughter. His the daughter from his first marriage. Oh, wow. Not
0: that first not marriage.
1: He, Paul was not a good guy. For the way he dumped the first wife to marry joanne woodward huh not good not good no. but ethan hawk's been through that before yes because <laughs> of uma but uh anyway oh and 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 uh ethan hawk's daughter maya oh, from, from stranger maya things with uma uh she's in it too and she's an actress
0: yes she's she's robin on stranger things
1: so, uh I highly recommend it and I look
0: forward to this and it's like it's just fun just going back to that era. And- well, it's it's also funny. This was supposed to be on CNN Plus and then that imploded so now it's on HBO Max.
1: Oh, well good because I that's one of them I didn't sign up for. Um one of the things that uh, 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 Stephen Colbert and and Ethan Hawker just having the best time talking about these people and and uh, so Ethan Hawk says, well Colbert asked him what did you find out making this that you know and he said that they work so hard they that was that era they worked so hard and then they were in acting class with James Dean Marilyn Monroe uh Marlon Brando. They were all in acting class together in New York. So they were actors, but they were movie stars too. And that's r- rare to have both. Don't you think?
0: Yeah. You don't, you don't see a lot of that anymore. No, no.
1: It's so much celebrity. Like a, now. Like,
0: like a Hugh Jackman kind of thing. Hugh, Hugh Jackman has that, but not a married couple. Right, right.
1: Yeah. And they made 16 movies together. They were in three stage productions together and many TV shows. And uh, so we go from there. Now, last week, because we had a snafu with our podcast, and we will have Martin Cassis on again. And that was just such a good episode. And it just it
0: wasn't recorded. It
1: breaks my heart. I don't know what that happened. But Um, but this
0: week, you can now talk about uh, the movie based on a book that has been done three times before or four it's called mrs harris goes to paris
1: yes and it is delightful and it is a beautiful tonic and it is a grown-up fairy tale and she doesn't end up with prince charming but that's quite all right mrs harris is a cleaning lady wonderfully played by leslie manville and she earned an oscar nomination for her chilling turn in phantom thread yes and She's it's a very
0: British movie,
1: yes. And uh she uh gathers enough money to go to Paris and buy a Dior because she's cleaning the house of this snooty uh person named Lady Dant, who is played by the woman who played uh Anna Carmichael, I think her name is. She's the one who played duck face in four weddings and a funeral. Oh wow. So, So that's funny. And then uh, so she goes to Paris and she thinks she can just plop this money down and buy a Dior off the rack and take it home. Well, she worms her way into the house of Dior and Isabel Hubba is the haughty Dior employee that won't give her the time of day. But she has charmed another executive and Uh, the model that's uh, so beautiful, that is uh, uh, elegantly, you know, they're going around the room with all the dresses and she's Mm -hmm. one of them. And so she charms all these people and she stays a while because of the fittings of her dress. And Mm -hmm. she teaches them things about life and she helps, she's a catalyst for change while she's in Paris. So she's changing her whole life and she's changing other people's lives and it's delightful it's just so much fun and if we need a pleasant cheerful movie right
0: now this is it and it is a some it has been described as and i believe it was you that said this it is for a it is marketed towards women of a certain age
1: yes but i think it's okay for everybody
0: But that's okay. That is okay to have an adult themed film.
1: Yes, because we should have more of them. And I think it's coming on the heels of the success of the Downton Abbey. Mm -hmm. But also, it reminds me, we've had some really nice, pleasant British films about dreamers. We had the Duke with Jim Broadbent and Helen Mirren. We had the Phantom of the Open with. The Great, Mark Rylance and Sally Hawkins. And then now we have Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. So, so score for the British Dreamer movies. <laughs> I, and I cannot wait for the Phantom of the Open to be seen by a wider audience. Right now it is on, uh, it's called Premium on Demand. And you know what that means, Carl?
0: You have to pay for it?
1: You have to pay nineteen ninety nine
0: for it well it's like renting it
1: yeah so but it's so good it's based on the true story and when this in the british open started this week the first thing i thought of was that movie because for for all even if you don't enjoy golf this is a hoot and it's a true story Mm -hmm. so it's about 1976 anyway the um the other streaming movie this week is billy porter's anything's possible and i have not had a chance to see it because it dropped on hulu today okay so we'll have to talk about that next week and uh i was at and this is not light entertainment but i was at sweeney todd did you see sweeney
0: todd i I did not get to see sweeney todd i went I went to Marceline, Missouri with my family to see Walt Disney's Boyhood Home.
1: Uh Well, and I know you're seeing John Mulaney tonight, so you can't go, because tonight is the last night for Sweeney Todd. I know. Let me tell you, and I'm saying this in the most trying to temper down my admiration with just giant superlatives. This Muni, Sweeney Todd, Is extraordinary. It is one of the best produced, most spellbinding performances, the most glorious voices all put together in this brilliant musical by Stephen Sondheim and the 27 piece orchestra. You just sit there and luxuriate in this score.
0: They have harps. Hmm. I remember in high school seeing uh, a video version of the Angela Lansbury Broadway play, and I really enjoy the story Um, without saying if people who don't know about Sweeney Todd, um, it's it's kind of disgusting. Well,
1: it was a 79 musical on Broadway that was groundbreaking. And to me, this breaks ground for the Muni in the best possible way. There were so many young people there last night. Really? Well, it
0: it was a Johnny Depp movie.
1: People stood up afterwards, like immediately stood up as the ensemble is coming on, not waiting for the main people. Once the ensemble started, as soon as it ended, people started standing up and cheering loud cheers the ovation was enormous and i cannot say enough about how polished it is rob Ruggiero directed it and he's one of the best directors we've had the privilege to have in this town he has done the rep a lot of sondheim follies he did Vita, which isn't sondheim but he did um he, he's done things at the and he pulls things apart. He takes a he takes a play and he pulls it apart and he puts it together with real meaning. And Ben Davis, who is a Muni favorite, he has been uh, I interviewed him when he was on tour. Uh, you probably saw the Fox production of The Sound of Music where he was Captain Von Trapp.
0: Yes, I did see that one.
1: He is good. Anyway, I interviewed him. And he's been nominated for the St. Louis Theater Circle three, four times, and he hasn't won. And he said to me, what am I, the Susan Lucci of the theater circle? And so he's very good as Sweeney Todd. It's perfect casting. The woman, Carmen Cusack, she is a two-time Tony nominee. Fabulous as Mrs. Lovett. What I love about what Rob Ruggiero did here is he made them younger instead of Angela Lansbury.
0: Well, this was Angela Lansbury
1: 40 years ago. Right, well, this is this is a good Mrs. Lovett. You could actually see how she's falling in love with him and she wants to be a couple and he doesn't wanna have anything to do with it. The, the young folk who played Anthony and Johanna, beautiful voices, just gorgeous. Tobias, there's a lot of Muni debuts here. Of really spectacular voices, and I just can't say enough. I just think every moment is riveting. The production is so well staged, and how they do the throat slitting is actually very tasteful. Okay, uh, some people are quibbling that the barber chair was like, what is this barber chair? And I said, well, you know, it's. Didn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> that is well used or it doesn't look fancy. But uh, no, there's some truly heavy hitters in this one. Uh, I don't think they spared much expense.
0: Good. I see. I, I was actually very disappointed that I could not see it. But families first, as you know,
1: as you know, yes, because I had to switch my tickets because of my uncle Charlie's services. But. It was a wonderful send-off. And what I loved about people coming to the visitation Sunday night was his his fellow mailman retirees had big grins on their faces and were telling us stories. And I never did hear all the stories of my uncle being bit by a dog seven times on Mm -hmm. his routes. I've only heard a couple of them. So that was fun. But the fact that the man produce smiles at his wake yeah that's just all you can ask for you know he was blessed he lived in 90 and yes family is first and what do you do if you can't so this week so i'm just getting back to a little of a routine and i discovered an app and maybe i'm late to the table with this carl but it's called q e w d have you seen it
0: I don't know what that is.
1: It must be a new thing. It is trending. Huh? And it's for streaming. It's not like just watch where you can find out where the movie is and everything. This is what's on streaming.
0: Okay. So, therefore, you don't have
1: to spend 50 minutes scrolling through your, your, uh, your, what, outlets, platforms. Right,
0: right. Yeah.
1: So, download so how is that. it?
0: How is it different than just watch?
1: Yeah, I you know, I just downloaded it and I don't know. But uh, the guy I, Variety did an article about it. And apparently it's just I don't know. It's supposed to be just for streaming. OK, so so Mulaney's back on tour. What's the name of the tour
0: uh, from scratch? It's called From Scratch. Now, is he married to Olivia Munn? Uh, I don't think so, but I know that they are. They their last stop, I think, was Chicago. I'm not 100 percent sure about that, but he posted a picture. uh, He brought them out on stage, Olivia and the baby. Uh So it seems that she's touring with him. Uh Aha. Well, the baby. I wonder how they met because she was uh, engaged to Aaron Rodgers she was and i've always been an olivia munn fan i like her and she was she was one of the few good things about x-men apocalypse i i actually have her book and so i love i i love olivia munn been a big fan of hers and uh i'm going my one of my daughter's graduation presents was john mulaney so we're going to go there and have fun tonight
1: well, that's wonderful because Tim and my nephew saw him when he was uh, last at Stiefel. Uh-huh. and uh, they were just howling. And that was when he was sober and he was doing jokes about his his previous troubles, and uh, but they oh. just howled with laughter. And I always Good. love him on SNL, and the fact that he does all those musical skits is really funny. And he was very charming as chip
0: in chip and dale rescue rangers emmy nominated for big mouth no he's emmy chip and dale is nominated for best original film uh, in the (laughs) emmys
1: it is i missed that oh my god oh i'm so happy
0: i am so so happy because you know how much i love
1: that movie i know and i was talking to somebody about it and they were looking at me like have you gone off your rocker Yes. And I was, oh yeah, I forgot the Emmy nominations came out and also, which is September 12th, right? I don't know. And then I um, I used
0: to know these things, but they're, are just too many things.
1: There's too many. Well, I get the variety alerts all day. Oh, Uh, I have to, I have to, uh, I have to discard like half of them mm -hmm. and the other half I save for later wins later and so uh, but the Kennedy Center honors were announced yesterday and I am super excited because it's not only is it George Clooney but it is my favorite rock band in the world you two
0: Gladys Knight oh
1: and Gladys
0: Knight (laughs)
1: and who see who else there's a there's a classical music woman and then be oh Amy Grant Yes. So Amy Grant, Gladys Knight, George Clooney, you 2 and now what I love about when they do the bands, like when they did The Who and when they did Led Zeppelin, they always have somebody come out and sing one of the songs and it's a moment. Like when Heart did Stairway to Heaven and, and reduced Led Zeppelin to Tears. Yes. And when all the firemen and police came out and did Baba O'Reilly for the Who and reduced them to tears. Yeah. Because if you recall, right after 9 11, the tribute concert, Who was there opening with Baba O'Reilly. And that was when they needed to let off steam and they showed all the cops and the firemen just having a blast. So they paid them back for that. And that is moving. That is one of the one of the great things about live TV. And I know award shows get erect, but the Kennedy Center is like the best one of all of them mm-hmm. every year, don't you think?
0: Uh, Tanya Leon is the other person who is is going to be awarded. She's a composer, conductor, and educator. It's Burger Week in St. Louis. I talked to the. i I had I went to two different places this week. Who, where have you gone? I went to. Uh, the former Cousin Hugo's, which is now Deer Creek Bar and Grill. And so I talked about them on the radio. And as I was getting my food, someone said, yeah, Carl Middleman said something about you guys on the radio. And I, and I, and the proprietor said, yeah, he's standing right there. I heard, I
1: looked at their burger. It looked good.
0: I, I, I am a fan of Deer Creek. I, I went to cousin hugo's every thursday night you uh, let's say 50 out of 52 weeks a year every thursday night for 20 years with my friends from grade school and high school and i am glad it has reopened as deer creek bar and grill i enjoy it very much
1: well before nope we went to the high point Point. And uh, Charlie got the Arch Deluxe and my nephew got the Oklahoma burger. And I got the special Riding Curly, which is like a poutine burger. And I wouldn't recommend
0: it. The the High Point has some good food. They also have some weird food. It depends on your mood, what you want to get at High Point. So uh, I made a wrong choice. Well, I I like to stick to the things I know I will like, because if you experiment, you could be in for something else. And
1: the boys were looking at me like, we knew you weren't going to like this.
0: And I said, well, it was recommended. I know. (laughs) So what else did you go to besides Dirk Park? or I I was recommended. Uh, People said I should go to Walnut Grill and O'Connell's, which I had not been to in a long time. And then uh, those places are doing great things for Burger Week.
1: Well, I understand that not all like Max Local Eats, which is supposed to have the best burger in St. Louis is not on the burger uh, list. Neither is Jack Nolan's, who's supposed to have a really great one, too, in Soulard. I did run into David Sandusky of the B, our friend at the Beast yesterday, and they have a pork burger. And he told me, you definitely want to get in to try it because it's really good.
0: Okay. Well, so I'm going to do that because well, I was then, at like, our old uh,
1: haunt, the Fountain on Locust, with my sister saying farewell before she headed off to
0: L.A. Well, Trainwreck has the Bison Burger. And so well, there are many down- types.
1: If you download the app, it'll tell you which is the special at every one of them. And right. there's some, some surprising choices, but that's good, you know.
0: St. Well, Louis Lynn, burger week. Yes. If we're, if we're going to go out and have burgers, where can they find you socially?
1: Yes. They can find me on all the socials. And I am on KTRS every Thursday night with Ray Hartman after the 10 PM news uh, miller furniture presents Lynn Venhouse goes to the movies. I am on my website, poplifestl.com stl.com and we've had an upgrade so yay it's faster and uh i was going to tell you carl this weekend i am seeing theater i am going to the black rep for their marvelously uh beautiful Dontrell kissed by the sea getting rave reviews i had to delay it because of my family and i'm seeing the labute festival tonight at st louis actor studio and then i'm going to catch taylor's play next weekend but and then we have the lovely Ann Pollock. Her public memorial service is at the Grand dell Sunday afternoon.
0: That That is very, it, it, that, that will be a wonderful ceremony.
1: And I forgot to mention before we wrap it up with you, I forgot to mention this is the closing weekend of the St. Louis Filmmaker Showcase. Sunday night is the wrap party at the Duck Room and You know, I was on the narrative jury, 46 movies, and we had our powwow the other night and picked our winners, and we will announce those. And we're also going to announce the best of show, which has a $500 award
0: to it, which is
1: either documentary or narrative narrative. And tonight, this weekend, I just want to mention a couple movies. I knew I wanted to do this because some of them are personal, but the local theater people, Donna Weinstein, the great actress in St. Louis, she is in a hilarious comedy called Ethan and Edna. And she plays a foul-mouthed grandmother and it is in the comedy shorts. And I think that is tonight, the comedy shorts. However, um, I'm looking it up in my book. Okay, so we have the animated and experimental shorts first, and then we have the drama shorts and then we have Saturday is the comedy shorts with Ethan and Edna. It's 19 minutes and it's a hoot. The drama shorts tonight. I have to mention cringe. It is 24 minutes. It is directed by Leo Ramsey, who I've seen in productions in town, and he's fabulous, but it is written by the wonderful Jason Clyfish, who died four years ago. And this is his final script. And all these actors that were in plays with him, especially the Pillow Man directed by Ryan Foise, uh from years ago, they all recreate these characters that he's written. It is about a, a, pred- a, a sexual predator on a young girl. Mm -hmm. and it's filmed in a bar in St. Louis. And so uh, it is tonight. I highly recommend people watch it. And this one's for you,
0: Jason. All right, that's this weekend at St. Louis Filmmaker Showcase.
1: Yes, and oh, at 430 on Sunday, unresolved. It's a two and a half hour movie, but it's worth it. It is by Bruce Carlton Cunningham and he's
0: quite an ambitious talent. Anything else, Lynn? And that's it. That's it. Uh That's it. I don't believe you. My name is Carl Middleman. You can find me at underscore Carl the intern on Instagram and Twitter. Lynn, have a good weekend. Thank you. And you
1: too. And I look forward to uh, letting you know who won next week.